right. Well, thank you, everyone. My name is Mark, and I haven't, if I haven't met you yet, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, this is just kind of a new thing for me being up here. I was just recently appointed interim sanctuary pastor. And yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? Like even to call myself a pastor still doesn't, I'm like, is that me? I don't think that's me. It is me, which is in Jesus' name, that's me. Let's do this. I'm in. Let's go. Um, and this is a very new thing. But to be honest, it feels like I'm kind of getting called into something that's just a little bit bigger than me. But when I was thinking about feeling this way, this actually wasn't the first time I had this, right? It felt like I was stepping into something bigger. You see, I grew up playing basketball, okay? And ever since I was little, my dad would have me play. I could dribble basketball around before I could walk. And I grew up playing um, in elementary school and junior high and high school. And when I got to high school, I played for the boys' freshman team where we went undefeated in league. Yes, that's right. Take that, Orange Lutheran, you private school recruiting cheater. You guys are cheaters. Um, and here's actually a picture of me, freshman year, on the team. Oh, yeah. I know. Yep, look how scrawny that is. Um, can you believe that the summer after that, after that freshman year, that scrawny, spiky-haired kid actually got called up to play on varsity? I know. And we had a good team. I mean, we had five of our players get scholarships. Most of them could dunk, and all of them, unlike me, could bench press more than the bar. Um, but during that next year, it was amazing learning from those older players, learning to be disciplined, to be better. And there it, uh, it instilled a lifelong dream in being able to dunk just like they could, which is really hard when you're under six feet tall and you're Asian. Um, but eventually, they all graduated, and I went on to play two more years of varsity, gaining a little bit more weight along the way. Yep, there it is, I know. And I was almost able to dunk, almost, almost, almost. But it's just amazing to remember back on how God called me to step into something bigger than what I thought I was capable of at the time. And during that transition, I felt very uneasy about that. And I had to trust that God was leading me in that right direction. Right? I mean, that first year on varsity, it was hard. Right? I went from just a fun sport freshman year to being something super serious. The coach made it seem like ball is life, and that was very overwhelming at times. But the more that I prayed out to God for comfort, the more that I would feel like he was comforting me. Right? And when all the fun got taken out of the sport because all my friends weren't on my team anymore, I would pray to God that he would reinstill that fun and reignite that passion, and he would. And these feelings that I had that Jesus was comforting me, that he was protecting me, that he was going before me, that was the work of his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's presence and power in my life. And so tonight, we will be diving into a series called The Forgotten God, where we're going to unpack what the Bible says who the Spirit is. And since, so since our, our series is about this forgotten God, I'd like to just open us up in a prayer so that we can intentionally acknowledge who the Holy Spirit is, and the power that the Spirit has in our lives. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to learn more about you, and more specifically, your Holy Spirit tonight. I pray that you would speak through me, that my words would become yours, and that we would all be able to understand what and who your Holy Spirit is, and how it is crucial that we engage with your Holy Spirit daily. So God, speak through me, make your Holy Spirit known. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's just dive right in. And in order to get the full scope on who the Holy Spirit is, we're going to have to go on a little journey through Scripture. So let's go back to where it all started in Genesis 1.1. See here in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God 
was hovering over the waters, right? So as we can see, the Spirit of God was present in the very, very beginning. And the Hebrew word you were used to describe God's Spirit here is ruach. Everyone, let's try to say that together. Ruach. Ruach. Yeah, I got to clear your throat at the end. Ruach. That's good. Perfect. Um, But this word ruach, it has a lot of different meanings, but it's all centered around that same thing, which is energy. Right? It can mean wind or the hidden power behind the wind or breath. And how when we take a deep breath in, we can almost feel the energy coming into our bodies. Right? See, Ruach here is talking about God's personal presence and his personal energy on the earth. In fact, it's the energy within his spirit that did the creating once God commanded it. But this is more than just God's energy. Right? It's his active force in the world. His spirit carries his qualities, his insight his comforts, his power, and all of his love for us as well. And it's interesting to note here that ruach is also a feminine word in Hebrew, which can illustrate a more complete picture of God being both male and female, which I found very interesting. So we see that God's spirit here is in the literal beginning, but now let's skip forward to see when, God's, or when the Bible next mentions God's spirit. And this happens 40 Chapters later in Genesis 41, here Joseph is interacting with the Pharaoh of Egypt. Okay? The Pharaoh is asking Joseph to interpret a dream that the Pharaoh had. Joseph responds with his interpretation and then advice on what to do from there. And this is their reaction. The plan seemed good to the Pharaoh and all his officials. So the Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one whom is the spirit of God? Then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and so wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and over all my people to submit to your orders. Only with one respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of Egypt. So let's just think about this for a second. This is one of the first times that the Bible mentions the Spirit of God. And whether it's through God's Holy Spirit or through God's power, Joseph is looked at as someone who possesses divine knowledge and divine discernment. And God spoke through Joseph, and this insight showed the Pharaoh a glimpse of God's wisdom. And he's given the entire land of Egypt after this. Am I the only one that's not shocked by that? (laughs) Just like, here's Egypt. Okay, thanks. Um, So God chose Joseph not only to interpret a dream, but to bring change to all of Egypt, right? So after that moment, like Egypt was forever changed, right? His spirit was sent to bring life to God's character through that interpretation of the dream. And then let's fast forward to see the next time it's mentioned. And this is when God's spirit comes on to Bezalel. And this time the spirit um, gave power and not only wisdom and discernment, but also art and creation. So we see in Exodus that, see, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, right, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. So here, let's try to remember the context of the times, right? At that time, the followers of God needed a place to go to to experience Jesus, to praise him, to learn or of God, to learn more about God. And Bezalel was to create this space, right? This was the tabernacle. And God wanted to make, God wanted Bezalel to make beautiful things in the tabernacle in order to make that space divine, right? To show and to mimic God's beauty, right? Imagine what that space looked like if it was created by someone that had God's spirit with them, right? It must have been beautiful. And later, the prophets also had the spirit of God come onto them, and they were able to see what will happen through God's point of view. And this power was given to the prophets to guide the 
to guide God's people by divinely praying for them, to help them to shed wisdom and praise. So clearly, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was present and moving, right? We see that God's Spirit was there in the creation of, the be- of a beautiful world and how God would send His Spirit to certain people in order to transform the hearts of the people that were around them to help heal the brokenness that was brought on by man. And this was all by revealing more ways about God and His character. So now let's compare that to the New Testament, okay? So now Jesus is here, right? Enter Jesus. Jesus first had the Spirit of God come on Him while being baptized, Right, so Matthew 3.16, it was really hard not to say John 3.16, but I did it. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on top of him. So that we see that when Jesus was baptized, right, the Spirit of God came down like a dove. Why a dove? Well, great question, sanctuary. I had that, I had that question as well. Cultural studies suggest that the Jewish people, right, those are the people that would be hearing this at the time, would associate a dove with a sign of a new world or a shift or something new to come, right? So a new thing is beginning to happen. There's a new shift happening in the world. And I believe that Jesus was very intentional about this moment. See, up until now, Jesus had not performed any miracles, right? He hadn't healed anyone, hadn't raised anyone from the dead, hadn't cast out demons, right? His ministry really didn't start. But could he have before then? Yeah, I probably think that he could have. But I think it was very intentional that he waited until this moment before he started performing miracles in his ministry. Why? Well, I think it was to give further importance for others to see and have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The power of this often forgotten God. See, after this, Jesus was now with the Spirit of God, and he performs miracles. He heals people, right? Raises people from the dead, drives out demons, really gets his ministry underway, and he credits all of that to having the power of the Holy Spirit within him. So keeping this in mind, let's now fast forward to when Jesus is speaking to his disciples during the Last Supper, right? Before he was taken to be crucified. So very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. And unless I go away, the advocate, right, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So just imagine you're a disciple, right? You just dropped your entire life to follow this guy around who claims to be God. You do that. You, f- you see his miracles. You see what he can do. You've, you've been around his teachings. And now he tells you that he's going away. And you're supposed to be like, yeah, this is great. But instead, I'd be thinking, what, Jesus? Like, it's a good thing that you're going away? No. I don't think so. Like, you're literally God, and you're going to leave me. Like, but here, Jesus is reassuring them that it's in their best interest that he's leaving. And it was. See, knowing what we know today, right, we can look back and see when Jesus was doing his ministry, his ministry was isolated, right? It was one-on-one. It was relational. He was teaching to crowds. But if you weren't there, you missed out on it. But once Jesus leaves, he says that the advocate will now come, right? And the advocate, right, the Holy Spirit, will make it possible for God to communicate with all of the disciples and all of his followers at every minute of every day, everywhere, right? That's huge. So the advocate is the Holy Spirit, right? It's that omnipresent part of God who is always with the followers of Jesus, right? Its role is to do the same thing that Jesus does, right? To teach them, guide them, comfort them, heal them, give them power. Yet the Holy Spirit equips equips the disciples for more, Because now the Spirit is with all of them at all times, instead of it being that one-on-one relation with just Jesus, right? It was no longer bound to them, but instead shared with everyone. But I don't know. If I was a disciple, it's a tough sell, 
I mean, I, I think I would still want Jesus. He's right there. He's flesh and he's blood, right? If I'm having conversation with him, that's something special, right? I don't know if I would think that an advocate would be better, but I would like to think that some of them remembered that story of the Holy Spirit, the one that was resting or like a dove resting on Jesus and how Jesus, he really said that every miracle was, that was performed that he did was through the power of this Holy Spirit and how it could be reassuring to them that they too would receive this power. And then shortly after that conversation with Jesus, um, he was sent to be crucified on the cross, right? So he's crucified. Three days later, he rose again. And then he miraculously shows up to his disciples, right? On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, the, the, when the, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said, and he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So isn't it interesting here in that first interaction that Jesus has when he comes back to his disciples, after that initial shock of, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. And then he's like, yeah, I know, peace, peace, peace. He breathed onto them, right? And this goes back to the beginning. Remember Ruach, right? It's like the spirit of God. It's like a breath that gave the disciples power to now go out and do their ministry. And just like the disciples, we have that same breath of God within us. See, what I also find interesting here is in the Old Testament, the spirit of God would come onto people. Yet in the New Testament, the spirit would be in people, right? It's that breath. It's in us. It's innately within us. It's a part of us. And God no longer has to decide on a certain person or certain place for his spirit to go. Instead, when you believe and you have that relationship with God and with Jesus, you now share this direct connection to him through his presence being alive and inside of you, always at every moment of every day. So now what? Mark, you just told me that I have the spirit of God inside of me. What do I do now? How do I engage with it? Why should I even engage with it? Well, these are all great questions. Thank you for asking. <laughs> to start, we need to be open from hearing from the Holy Spirit, right? We need to be more sensitive. And that can look like a lot of different things for different people. But you could be paying attention to that little voice in your head that says, ooh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Or maybe I should think about this person differently. Maybe I should forgive this person. Or maybe I should ask for help in this area. Right? Maybe I should see all these things differently. But it can also mean empowering the Holy Spirit or the advocate to go before us and advocate, right? Invite it to act on our behalf, to do things that Jesus would do for us if he was here, right? To love, encourage, heal, protect, give us power. And as for the how, these are a few ways that have worked very well in my life. The first of, first of which is through prayer, right? We need to ask the Holy Spirit to go before us. We need to ask for help. We need to ask for guidance. We need to ask for wisdom, discernment, understanding, peace, healing, healing from past events, being able to forgive others, pray prayers that will allow the Holy Spirit to go before us and work within us. And sometimes, for me, moments like this come very naturally and almost unknowingly. When I'm praying through things that might be very hard or very difficult, it sometimes feels like my soul is crying out, like the depths of my heart and my desires are being brought to God, and I believe that this is me interacting with the Holy Spirit. It's prayers like, God, I don't understand why this is happening or why you allowed this to happen, but I know that you are faithful and I know that you work to make all things good, so I trust you. Lead me and let me gain your perspective. Right? I feel like that is my spirit and my soul crying out for a help that my mind cannot give me. 
right? My mind can't give me an answer to that. And oftentimes God will respond. And another way that I like doing this with prayer is also praying not to God or not to Jesus, but to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that shift in language alone will change the way I'm praying and how I'm thinking about and approaching my prayers. Second thing is through worship and praise, right? Inviting the Holy Spirit to be more present in our life with praise and with prayer and to let the advocate go before us by worship, right? A lot of times we sing songs that are prayers, right? Songs that are very spirit-driven. I mean, look at what we just sang together. This is the first um, verse of the last song that we sang, right? All the worries of this world, I will lay them there at your feet, right? I should be on worship team, I know. Surrender every anxious thought, your perfect peace, right? This is a conversation that we're having with God, right? This is a conversation with the Holy Spirit, right? We're declaring that we're anxious and we're declaring that we're giving that to God and that we were looking forward and stepping into peace, right? How many of us have felt anxious recently? I mean, I felt anxious this entire week. I mean, even this entire day. I mean, up until like an hour ago, up until like right now. But that, <laughs> I don't know, right? But this is a conversation that I'm having with God and with the Spirit, and we're declaring that we're anxious, but we're giving that to Him, and right? We're looking forward. And then at the end of the song, we see, I will look back and see that you are faithful. Right? I'll look ahead, believing that you're able because you're Jesus, Lord of all. Right? These are the prayers for the Spirit to go before us, to advocate for us, to fight our battles for us, and then for us to be granted the perspective to see, yes, this was God moving and working in my life all along. And that's a story of faithfulness. Third thing I like to do is being intentional for time, um, to, or taking intentional time for intimacy with the Holy Spirit, right? Just setting aside a time in my day or in my week to intentionally connect with God. And this can look like a lot of different, different ways, at least for me. Um, one of which I just like going to a coffee shop. I like relaxing. I like turning off my brain. And I like just sitting there with a cup of coffee and asking God to connect. Another way is going for a drive. When I'm driving, I am that crazy person with the music loud, singing next to you, probably going in and out of lanes because I'm praising God. And that is my time. Do not judge me. Um, but most of the time for me, it's doing something active, right? It's going fishing, going, playing basketball, surfing. Um, and yes, for those who are curious, I do still play basketball. I do, pro I do play with Bryce sometimes. Yep, it's fun. I know it's just so nice to get outside, enjoy the day. It's beautiful being God's creation and just destroy someone in a game of horse. Ooh, that is, no, it's usually pretty even. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Oh, man. Um, but what, yeah. So last time I was up here, I actually shared that I was living in Japan and I felt like the spirit was, was there leading me in Japan, and that's what led me to move there. But what I didn't share was that I was actually playing basketball in Japan at that time as well. I was actually on a semi-pro team there, and that little dream about me being six foot under and dunking, I mean, come on. Mm, it's a spirit. Spirit moves in mysterious in ways, mysterious ways. Yep. No, they're not. Um, but in all seriousness, being at that international church that I was living at and attend, or that I was attending while living in Japan really opened up my eyes for what it meant to be in relationship with God and relationship in His Spirit, right? The people there had a different view of the Spirit than I did. They viewed it as alive and as active and as a friend, right? A friend that was comforting, convicting, empowering, right? A true advocate. And see, this, it's there where I've picked up that it was crucial to my walk with God and my relationship with him 
that we have a relationship with the Spirit, right? We need to realize the power that the Holy Spirit has in our lives, right? The Spirit is for us, fights for us, goes before us, heals us, convicts us. And if we don't choose to engage and empower that Spirit, then we're missing out on what God or what Jesus intended on sending us when he went away, right? Jesus wants to be present in our lives, in everyone's lives, right? But that's why he went away, right? He needed to get rid of that one-on-one intentional relational aspect of his ministry and instead instill that with the world, right? With everyone, with all of us, right? So that we can all experience that one-on-one relationship with him. And that's through this advocate, right? That's through the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus demonstrated this at the beginning of his ministry, right? It started with the anointing of the Holy Spirit falling on him like a dove. He was intentional about starting his ministry with the power of the Spirit, And then this is a demonstration to all of us on what's possible with the Holy Spirit living in our lives. See, Jesus died on the cross knowing that the advocate would soon enter all of our lives, just like he breathed it into the disciples when he appeared to them after the resurrection. So friends, we have that same Holy Spirit available for us. And I would love to encourage you to take a posture of allowing the Spirit the spirit space in your life to go before you and to advocate for you, right? To have this relationship with this forgotten God. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Um, I just pray that um, we would be able to receive your Holy Spirit, God, and in a way that is tangible to us, that we could walk with him daily, that we could engage God, that we could really see in a tangible way your spirit working and moving in our lives. God, I pray power for us, God, through your Holy Spirit. I pray healing. God, I pray for increased perspective, wisdom, discernment, God, all of that. But I pray that people would take away from this night the importance of having that relationship with you, God, and that's through the Holy Spirit. So thank you so much, God, for tonight. Amen.